Hello there, team. Wade Skalski here, problem solver, playwright, and founder of Clear the Field. Today's process is this. Without a baseline, you have nothing. Sit back, relax. Let's begin, shall we? So, I just said that last voice like the guy from uh, Team America. All right, Gary, shall we? Uh, today's daily, the for, a segment formerly known as the Daily Nugget is, I'm going to talk about beer. And so I used to brew beer. Typically, people who uh, go a little too far at one end on the alcohol side, kind of, you know, where your priorities are, decide you're going to brew beer. That's a good idea. Uh, so I learned to brew beer. And one really interesting thing about brewing beer is that there are no secret recipes, right? So like if you take your favorite beer, take Allag- like Allagash White, for example, I've been to that brewery in Maine. It's actually a pretty cool place. Like 80% of that brewery's beer that they sell is Allagash White, right? But it's pretty easy to find the recipe for that online. So if that's true and everyone can find that recipe and know exactly how they do it, if you know anything about beer, why doesn't someone just copy what they do and and do a, like a knockoff and, and compete with them and sell the same thing? And people do, like you have like Blue Moon and, and that type of thing. And so... You know, people try to compete, but the cool thing about beer in terms of the the idea of, of making it is that there are the, the recipe itself is almost irrelevant. It, it comes down to ingredients, but most importantly, it comes down to the process. Beer, the good beer is created through a great process. So as long as you have decent ingredients, as long as you have like the right, you know, the right recipe for what you want to do, it's the process that makes the beer. And once I realized that, that that applies to everything, and we're going to talk about that today, about the baseline, is that I, I stopped becoming protective with Clear the Field. I stopped becoming protective. Like, I'll tell you, the, you know, I put the whole process out there for free, right? So I put the whole, you know, the whole, the steps out there, you know, through this podcast. If you were to break down all the podcasts, you'd have the pretty much the, the baseline uh, idea of what you have to do for Clear the Field. You could do it yourself. But I'm super, super confident in doing that because one, I know that it's the process itself that creates the results. So it's, it's, you have to have some guidance on how to engage the process so you can compress time frames. I mean, you can do it yourself, you know, in, in any kind of, not just clear the field, but any kind of productivity process, you, you can kind of read the books and, and figure things out yourself and, and tinker with your, you know, your, what you works for you, which is what I did, which why it took me seven years, right? Or whatever. It really took me 20, like the whole time I've been working, but, but it took me a really long time because I didn't have anyone saying, here's your process, use this, you know, start with this and then move from there. And that's the really cool thing about, you know, once you understand that you don't get really protective with your stuff at all. You just give it away in terms of the, the, the actual sort of the recipe. Now, the, the process itself and how you do the recipe, that's where the magic is. And that's obviously where the coaching comes in. That's where the training comes in. That's where this podcast comes in. Uh, so it's not enough just to know what you're doing. You have to actually engage it, do it every day, and then you know have a little direction from there. So that's sort of the segment formerly known as the Daily Nugget, which, which sort of transitions us into that without a baseline, you have nothing. And this is the idea is you must have metrics that you track. Okay, and the reason is that you cannot improve upon nothing. If you if you take an action, like let's say let's let's pick something for example, like you, um, I don't know, in your body, right? Like you want to lose weight. If on Monday you take an action, and then you're like, okay, well I'm gonna I'm gonna jog today, so you jog, and then on Tuesday you take an action with your diet, you say, well I'm not gonna eat fast food today, and on Wednesday you say I'm gonna lift weights, and on Thursday you uh, do, you know, you go do CrossFit and then on Friday you do stretching and yoga. And then on Saturday you do another action, right? You may lose weight over that time, but you have no idea which one of those things work the best. You have no idea if, if it was just the act, taking the actions itself, which is what did it like burning the calories itself. And you have no way to, to, to improve quickly because if you kind of do that haphazardly, you will lose weight. It will just take you a really, really long time but you won't have the habit of anything and you'll burn out because, you know, when you establish a habit, doing a habit becomes less and less onerous. And then it's just what you do at your lifestyle. So 
you know, when you first started brushing your teeth as a kid, it's like a pain in the neck. Like my daughter will do everything she possibly can to avoid brushing her teeth. And I've got to brush, I've got to brush Milana's teeth. I've got to brush Elsa's teeth. I've got to brush, you know, we call them the little guys, which are her little figurines that she has from all the Disney princesses. And this is sort of an onerous situation. So I, I'm going through this process for my daughter. And because it's not one, it's not a battle I need to fight because I know she'll brush her teeth. Right. I, I'll move more towards past the, in, you know, humoring her then into persuasion, then into, you know, kind of more like high end persuasion, suggestion of force then actually like, okay, like I'm going to drop the hammer and use some authority on you right now. And when I say force, I mean force of authority and I'm talking physical punishment. Right. So, um, so that's that, you know, the only time, you know, in terms of physicality that's used is if you need to pick your kid up out of a, move them out of a, you know, a dangerous situation. But, but that I, you know, for her, the habit of brushing her teeth is, is she doesn't have the habit yet. So it's like such a pain in the ass to do for her. She doesn't like to do it. And that's how when we got her into her own room and sleeping in her own bed, how that started too. Like it was a battle to get her to go to sleep in her own bed. You not not that she wanted to come back into our room, but that she just wanted to go downstairs and play. She's like, I got my own room. I got my own bed. I don't need you guys to decide when I'm going to do that. But once that battle was fought, once we went through that process of that battle, now she just goes to bed and there's like just grab ass in terms of like, she's like, oh, well, let's read a book or I got to go. To, you know, she knows the she knows that the, she says I have to go to the bathroom. I can't just say like, well, just hold it. Like I have to pick her. I have to take her and she has to go to the bathroom. And or if she says I want water. Right. So like she knows the delay tactics. But that's but the concept is she is going to we never have to fight over. She's going to sleep in her bed. She's going to sleep in her room. You know, we fight over maybe the time of of the habit of the bedtime. And we're working on that so that once, you know, the ultimate goal is when she's a little older, we're just like, go to bed. And then she like goes to bed and goes in there and goes to sleep. Right. But she is in charge of her own process. But that's the idea of habits is that if you if you don't establish the proper habits, then you burn out because you just you're 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 muscling everything. And so the bait, you know, and that's why the baseline is so important, is because you one, you have to establish like, which habit do I want to be doing, which 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 is the small door, you know, the small hinge that opens big doors. Right. And so which domino am I working on? And so that's issue number one you've got. And issue number two is it forces you to choose something. So, like, for example, like I talk a lot about like a lot of people fall in the passion trap with their work. So, you know, and I've talked about this before is there are guys. Right. And gals too, but but this is a guy thing for some reason. I, I see this a lot in men, right? Because women, women are a little, they're a little smarter and they're a little more like responsibility oriented. So they don't do this as much. But there are guys who, let's say they're not working, and they're they they for whatever reason, maybe they took a trip or they're taking time off or they're sabbatical or just unemployed, okay? And they've got to get a job, right? So they're in a situation where they they're not under crisis for money. So they let's say they're married and their wife is working for them or they're living with their parents or like whatever it is, they're they're not trying to engage a, a way to make money, right? And they because they're not sure like what they want to do, and then they're like, well, I'll get a job. So they get job offer, like they actually get job offers, but they don't take the job because the job is not their sort, their their dream job, right? So the the, the two issues with that is one, it's the passion trap, which I'll talk about later. It, it's it's you know very few people understand that the way to get to your passion is to go through things that aren't your passion. Like that is just unfortunately that's just the way it works, and and you don't even know what your passion is until you engage it, right? So that's a topic for another time, but. If, if you have a baseline in your career, okay, go like, let's say you, you have, well, you're using a metric, it's a simple one is income, okay? You're like, well, my, my metric income is I make $100,000. And the really interesting thing is once you make $100,000 in the marketplace, you always make $100,000 in the marketplace. Like you never make less than that because that's just your worth has been established. And if you can get one person to pay you over 100,000 or you make over 100,000 in a business for whatever reason, you can always make 100,000. The next bump is 250 and the next bump is 500 and then it gets a little squirrely after that. I'm not, I don't know what the bump is after 500. I don't know how that works, right? I, I can see 500 I, and, but you know, the 250 I'm pretty clear with. Okay. So, um, but, but the, the, the thing is that if you have a baseline of income and someone says, well, I'm going to, and that's what you use as your metric. And someone says, well, I'm going to pay you $120,000. Like, well, this isn't really my dream job right now, but it is on my metric and my baseline, it's more than my normal baseline. So I will take it because there's an improvement there that's not linked to like a negative. Okay. But if you don't, if you don't have a baseline that you, that, that you have, a, that you're like, this is my baseline. And these are the metrics that I've established. And we'll talk about more of this in the reframe. 
um, then you might turn down that job because it's, quote, not the right job. And that's a giant, horrible, terrible mistake because you can't get to your right job if you're unemployed and don't have any prospects and opportunities and you don't have any opportunities to leverage into other opportunities. Like sitting around and waiting for the right job, the perfect job, I've seen people do that for a decade. Now, and also here's the other problem. If they do that, right, and they, and they, get, the, the, they get their right, their dream job, then everyone around them is resentful because they waited so long. And then there's all this damage that's done because of the 10 years of not being a process of just waiting around. So like if you, if you can start at baseline somewhere in, in, in either career connections or creations, you need to start that baseline. Like, and it can be simple. Like in careers, it can be, oh, I'm going to do, it's going to be income. You know, in connections, it can be, you know, how many, how, if you're married, like how many times do I go out in a month on a date with my spouse, just me and her, not even a date or him, not even a date. Like just, we spend time alone away from the kids. Now, if you don't have kids, then, then you might want to pick a different, a different baseline. And then in, in your creations, if it's a creative project, you know, your, you, your baseline is, okay, well, what am I going to, what am I going to, you know, produce in this quarter? Like, what's my ultimate creative thing? And so like, if it's a play, how many plays do I want to create a year? And then you break it down from there. And if, and if you have a baseline, you know, if you're growing, contracting or expanding. So, so, but if you don't have a baseline, then you like, let's say that you, using a play as an example, if you don't have a baseline that you've established, like this is what I can do in this period of time. And this is, you know, a place to start from, then you'll, you'll put in like for a play, you'll write a play in a month, right. Or you'll write a play in two weeks, or you'll do a, 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 you know, 48 hour play or whatever. And then you'll take a breath and then you won't know where to go from there because you don't have any idea of, of where, you know, so is the baseline now that you're going to write a play every 48 hours? Like, no. Okay. Now, if you, once you have a baseline, you can do stuff like that to help, to help figure things out and explore the process or whatever like that. But you must on purpose, one, pick something you're going to do. And then two, establish a baseline and three, not worry if it sucks because you're going to suck at it, especially if it's in a baseline in a new area. So I'll give you an example. Like when I restart my, my body's uh, goals in terms of doing from a couch to a 5k, right? I don't really care that the first week is walking. Like I can for sure run more, but the biggest challenge for me is like, I haven't gotten my fat ass off the couch and gone to the gym or, or got into, uh, running at all or jogging at all in months because for whatever reason, right? Like my excuse was, Oh, well we have a newborn, so I don't have time to exercise, which is, which is a bad story. Don't do that because exercising gives you energy more energy you have for your newborn and your wife, the better you are, but whatever. So I don't really care. I don't really care how much I do, but I already know that my baseline is working out three times a week. So I have to get into the habit of working, of running three times a week. And the way that I do that is I just start doing something for three times a week. Like even if I just walk for 25 minutes and I'm saying, and I say to myself, this is my workout, right? Then I get a sense of accomplishment because I know I'm, you know, I'm, I'm reengaging my baseline and then, then I'll get bored and then I'll be like, okay, now this is silly. I'm spending this time. I might as well make use of it. Right. But so I don't really care in the beginning if that, if I don't do anything other than I'm, this is my baseline of working out and I'm reestablishing the baseline and you can move from there. So the big mistake that people do is they, is they're just so action oriented that they just run out and they just, if, if they're, if their body's overweight, they run out and they, they, you know, they do an Ironman or they run out and they, they just go run, you know, lose a bunch of weight in like 10 days and they cut weight and they do a diet or whatever, but they don't have a baseline that they've established with trackable metrics. And so then they just ping pong back and forth on their weight. And this is true of everything. It's not just your weight. It's just a really, really easily understandable example. So the one thing that you have to understand is that if you don't have a baseline, you don't have anything. And I don't care how much success you have. Like, I don't care. I don't care if you make $300,000 a year. And you, uh, it's unlikely that you would do that without knowing how to establish a baseline. But let's say you had a job where you kind of fell into it and you're making 150. I don't care, right? If you don't have a baseline for your growth in your, your mindset, your growth in your skill set, and growth in creating environments for success, then you're going to burn out. And then you're going to lose that job. And you're going to be like, well, why? Got, what happened? And then you're going to be all confused. And then you're going to recharge, go do it again and do it again, right? So, so number one is, and here's the cool thing is like, I'm not going to tell you what your baseline is. You, you decide what your baseline is because setting baselines and tracking metrics is actually a skill. And so you're going to suck at it. And so you're going to, you're going to pick these, these baselines that are going to be either unrealistic or they're going to be in a sandbox you don't want to be in. And you're like, why am I even in the sandbox? But if you don't force yourself to pick, then everything becomes okay. And then when you get positive feedback, 
then you're all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm in the right place. And when you get negative feedback, you're in the wrong place. And then you move. And then, you know, then you create the you create this loop that you're just doing the same thing over and over and over again. So we don't want that to happen. And I give you in the chapters of your life, there are three areas I focus on, which is career connections and creations. So what I want you to do is I want you to take out your gratitude journal and I want you to write down one baseline in career, one baseline in connections and one baseline in creations that to the best of your ability that you think is a baseline. And I want you to really think about it and just pick something and don't worry about if it's, it's you're not picking something for the rest of your life. Like this isn't going to determine what you're going to do for the next 10 years, but this is the starting process for you to discover what you're going to do in the next 10 years. So really take some time and think about it and, and don't, you know, if write down the first thing that comes to mind, but then really go deep, go a couple levels deeper on it and just write one thing for each one thing for, uh, for, career, one thing for connections, and one thing for creations. That is your task. Have fun exploring. And remember, there is no end if you stay on the path. Hello there, team. Wade Skalski here, problem solver, playwright, and founder of Clear the Field. Today's process is this. If you don't have a baseline, you don't have anything. The reframe. Sit back, relax. Let's get started, shall we? So, the today's segment, formerly known as the Daily Nugget, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, experience I had. So, I'm I'm switching over my accounting software. Uh, I have the cloud, the cloud, the cl- a cloud accounting software that I hate, and I've always hated it. It's a well-known name, and I'm sure it's fine. But forever, for whatever reason. The interface and I do not get along, and it has been a struggle for me. I just have not, however I work with the with the, the computer uh, on the interweb, uh, however I do it, whatever it is, the, the interface just is not, I don't, I don't dig it. I mean, and it's, it's really, really well known. All right, it's QuickBooks. It's QuickBooks. It's QuickBooks. I hate it. Um, and nothing, I'm not saying don't use QuickBooks. If you use QuickBooks, this is peculiar to me. This isn't, I don't think this is like a systemic problem for QuickBooks. Like, uh, number one, they're not really going to care about me switching over. So don't, you can tell them that like, okay, his, we don't need his $19 a month or whatever it is that I pay for it. But there's just something about the interface that it just doesn't fit for me. And so it's a perfect program. I mean, it's, it's ubiquitous. Everybody knows what it is. Everybody uses it. A lot of people use it for business. A lot of people use it for personal, you know, whatever. And it's been developed and they've spent millions of dollars developing it. So it's a, it's a really good program. It's, it's perfect for what it does as a tool. It's just not perfect for me. And so I'm really excited about this new software that I have found because I just like the interface. Even when I'm sort of transferring some of the things over, it just works better with my mind, right? So it's, it was a little bit confusing because it was Peachtree software and then they changed it to Sage 50. So now I'm, I'm, I'm becoming part of the Sage 50 community. Uh, and so as of right now, I may regret this podcast in the future. I may come back and say Sage 50 and the interface and I don't get along. And maybe it's just that I don't get along with accounting software. But that's what I'm switching to. And the the, sort of the concept, though, is is that there can be a tool that you know is a good tool. Like there's nothing wrong with the tool. It just and it's perfect for the job that you need it for. But it's it's not a good fit for you. And, you know, you get to take ownership in that concept. Right. Because if if everyone uses QuickBooks and, and they say, oh, well, QuickBooks is perfect. But there's just something about it that you don't that you don't like and you get invested in it and you invest time in it. It's really hard to change. Like, I mean, I've been using QuickBooks for like six years. And so and I don't care what they say about, oh, you're going to migrate it over with the press of a button. It never works that way. It just doesn't. So, um, you know, it's just like when you're translating from Russian to English, then it, it doesn't quite translate all the time because the languages aren't the same. It's just like when I come from QuickBooks to, to the Sage 50 there's going to be some challenges, right? So, but I really like the Sage 50 interaction in terms of the interface. And it just, it just, it doesn't stress. Every time I would go on QuickBooks, I would get stressed out. And I don't know why. It's just something just doesn't land with me and the way my brain works. And that's okay. And it, and it doesn't really matter to me that everyone else thinks it's the best, best tool for what I need. And that's the same with Clear the Field. Like, I know Clear the Field works, okay? Know it for a fact. I mean, I've proved it in my life. It, it I know that the process works. And so, this isn't a belief, it's a no, 
But I also know that the system may not work for somebody else and it just may not be a good fit for them. And that's why I'm always like, look, like even if you, and we're going to talk more about the baseline today in the reframe, even if you use clear the field as a baseline, you may discover a new process that works great for you. Like I have done, I spent a lot of money on trainings and and it took me a while. And what was really interesting was, is that the, the first ones were kind of like, okay, and then like the ones in the middle were, were, were good and they were solid. And then after going, keeping to go through the process, keep going through training, you know, I quote stumbled upon uh, trainings that, and content that were perfect fits for me. They just resonated perfectly for me. And they all sort of kind of happen at once. So there, there's some trainings that I'm going through right now that are just incredible for me that I'm getting so much value for that are hitting right where I need them to hit. And, um, I'm getting the software and it's all kind of coming together at once. Well, I think that one, I'm getting better at assessment of what I need in terms of for my blind spots, the actual content that I need Two, though, I'm understanding myself better. So I don't get into scenarios where, you know, like I need to use an example. If, if I was to pick a hobby, like I tried golf and like golf was cool and I enjoyed golf, like, but I enjoyed the being out part of golf. The actual playing of the game frustrated me. I didn't really enjoy it that much. And not because I wasn't good at it. I understood that you got to be really bad at golf. But it's, 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 I, you know, there's the concept of the dip where you have to get through the dip, um, you know, the difficult part of it to enjoy the, the, the fruits of what you're doing. It's like they, uh, Seth Godin uses snowboarding as an example that a lot of people don't snowboard because it's very frustrating to learn to snowboard, right? Well, I actually don't even like, I can ski poorly. I can ski but I, I prefer sitting in the sitting in the lodge while everyone else is skiing, reading a book, right? And so it's just as like I know myself better now. So the trainings that I I can I can identify a training and be like, okay, that's good and that person's good. But this one, the content isn't what I necessarily need right now, and I have very limited time, so I have to make sure the content is spot on. And two, the way the content's being delivered to me, I'm not going to consume it properly. Like I, I'm just gonna like, okay, I'm it's I'm not gonna get into it. Just like QuickBooks, like. I need the QuickBooks. I, I know for a fact that the QuickBooks, I need it for the accounting issues that I have, but the way that it's delivered, not for me. And so that's why I don't ever get upset if people are like, hey, I'm not going to do the process anymore. You've done the process, created a baseline for yourself and decided to move to a different process. That's part of, you are still doing the process. You're just using a different semantics to do it. And that's, that, that's all I, you know, process is progress. I don't care. I don't care if you use the tool of clear the field for the rest of your life. I don't care if you use the tool of clear the field for a month or two months and then decide to move to a different process, a different set of tools, because you have understood the core principle of you need to have a process. And if I can get people to buy into just that, then I know it's inevitable that their life will improve because if you accept what a process is with a course correct and, a, you know, course corrections, review and course corrections, then you're fine. Like you will get there eventually. So just like the idea of, is if I put you on the West Coast and I say, get to the East Coast and you're walking and I don't give you any compass, no map, no nothing, you'll get there eventually. You know, you'll get lost at night, but when the day wakes up, you'll see all oh, the sun's coming up. You walk towards the East Coast because you know which direction it is and you just keep doing that. You'll get there eventually. And that's what a process is. Okay. So that's sort of the, the idea today is that is that there are tools that are perfect tools for the job at hand, but they don't hit with you correctly. And then the more you learn about yourself the more that you'll be able to, to be okay with that decision instead of trying to force yourself to like QuickBooks or force yourself to like golf or force yourself to like snowboarding. So I like hiking. Like I like being out. I like that's something that I know for a fact I want to integrate more into my body targets. So that's the today's segment formerly known as the Daily Nugget. Now let's explore, let's explore the reframe of if you don't have a baseline, you don't have anything. And so there's two concepts today that I want to talk about. Concept number one is phase thinking, all right? So what will happen is, is that your brain only cares about giving you an answer. It doesn't care about the validity of the answer or how precise the answer is or how you, uh, the utility of that answer. It just wants you to go away. If you, if you give the brain a problem, it just wants to give you an answer and then it just wants you to go away on that answer. Now, some people, they'll ruminate a lot on, uh, they'll ruminate a lot on in their mind on certain things and they won't make, they won't make decisions. So they'll go back and forth on decisions, but that's different than an answer. Like if you're like, Hey, what's the average rainfall in the Amazon basin? Your brain's going to be like 75 inches and then it's going to move on to something else. And it has no clue if that's correct or not. And I don't even know what the answer is. And I don't have Alexa here with me, um, to, to do that. So 
to figure that out. But the, the, your brain for the most part, at least my brain, maybe it's just me just says, you know, four, it gives me the answer of, you know, how many, how many roads must a man walk down four. And then it just moves on to the next thing. It doesn't, it doesn't care if it's, if it's right or not. So you want to go into phase thinking, whereas like when you think you have an answer to something, that's phase one, right? And if you, if you just operate on phase one thinking, then your, your, and you know, your actions are sort of tactical, you'll be, you know, you can improve, but you don't, you don't compress time frames. And it's really hard to get leverage on things because for the most part, for whatever reason, the things that you need are, are on the opposite end of what you think, right? So like, it's just to see it, it's the answers in math are all, you know, the answers in linear math are always seems to be, uh, or in problem solving math always seems to be on the theoretical side. The answers to the theoretical side problems always seem to be on the linear side. It's like the opposite pole of whatever problem that you are at seems to come to have the hard answer for whatever reason that is. That's just how life works. And so your brain will give you an answer that's comfortable at phase one, and it will have some utility for sure, because your brain is pulling in all of the experiences that you have to give you a solution on whatever the problem is that you're giving it. So to give you a specific example for the baseline, let's say that you use for uh, your career, uh, your career baseline that you use income. Okay. So income is a great, is, is a very simple scoreboard. You're like, yes, okay. I make this much money, you know, per year. But if you look at how many hours you had to work to make that, you know, if you look at, if you look at, you know, how many hours you had to make that income, a hundred thousand dollars working, you know, 2,700, 3,000 hours a year is much different than a hundred thousand dollars working 500 hours a year. So they're not the same. So that metric, although useful as a starting point, you know, is not maybe perhaps the best metric that you can use. A better metric might be, what am I paid per hour? And this gets really super tricky. My wife is an actress and she would go and, you know, when she would the certain, when we met, she was going on certain auditions and she would get jobs. And which is, first of all, was just amazing. If you, if in Los Angeles, if you're an actress or an actor and you just book jobs, that's amazing because the competition is fierce. There's such a, a, a huge amount of talent out there and there are very, you know, there's just a, there's a finite amount of jobs. And so, and there's an unlimited amount of talent. And so like you could do a casting, you can ask for a casting, like literally you could say, all right, I want someone that's between the ages of 40 and 45 and that's Asian and has red hair, right? Like I've never seen an Asian person with red hair, like natural red hair, but you'd probably get 500 of them to show up just because that's, that's just how this is. Right. And that's, I'm using a sort of extreme example, but if you, it's, it's true. Like if you, my wife, you know, like if you give her, you say, okay, I want a woman who's 5'10 and blonde. Right. And has a Southern belle kind of look to her girl next door kind of look to her, right. A thousand of those girls will show up. And so it's, it's, you know, there's an unlimited amount of talent. Okay. And so it's, it's in any race, in any gender, in any uh, collection of factors, you can get a huge number. So it's a miracle that she would ever book anything because the competition is so fierce. But the problem was, is because that's true, there are certain sets of jobs that are really inexpensive in terms of for them to, for the talent. So, so I just showed her, I said, look, I said, so yeah, you're, this is, you're making this much money. But on this level of audition, you have to go to this many auditions. You have to have this much travel time. And so per hour, you're making this much. And when I did that for her, she was like, holy smokes. And I was like, yeah, holy smokes. So we need to figure out a new, a new strategy because we have a baseline for you now. This is what you're getting paid right. This is what you're getting paid right now. This is your baseline. So that metric was a phase two metric was like, okay, so we've got, we know what you're making, you know, monthly, annually, whatever. And, uh, but when let's figure out how much, how many additions you're going on, how much travel time you're going on to actually book these. And so this is what you actually make per hour. And she was like, Whoa. And so, but because we had that metric, we didn't feel bad about it. We could make adjustments and then we made adjustments from there. So what I want to introduce to you is that there, you can go as you can go to an infinite number of phases. Like you can go into metrics as deep as you want. And a lot of this is, you know, I, how much you like numbers perhaps for, for, uh, for the career stuff, but for, for creations, you, your metrics are going to not necessarily be numbers, numbers driven. They just have to be tracked. They, they have to be like, they're not going to be income driven. They have to be trackable though. So, um, and same if you have a body target or whatever, uh, you know, so the, the issue then is that what I want you to start thinking of is, you know, the first answer that your brain gives you. So when I gave you the action step of yesterday of going in your gratitude journal and picking a metric each for one of the three chapters of your life, you know, for career connections and creations, uh, I want you to understand that that's probably a phase one metric. And so I want you to start thinking about going deeper in that. Now, 
uh, going to phase two and phase three because that will compress time frame for you. You will eventually discover phase two and phase three if you are in a process where you review and course correct. But let's try to get as far into the metric as we possibly can. Well, how do we do that? Well, we do that by modeling. So the wonderful thing about the internet, the wonderful thing about uh, about the, the access to an infinite amount of knowledge today is that someone is trying to do whatever it is that you're trying to do. So it, it, there, there is a book, there is an essay, there is a blog post, there is a podcast, there is something out there that was someone who was tracking a metric in whatever it is that you're trying to do. So you can do sort of a best past, best patch, best practices search, and you can literally get five to six, to seven to ten to a hundred to five hundred people who are trying to accomplish the same thing that you are. And then you find you want to model that. So you say, okay, well, where do I want to go? So in business, for example, for clear the field, some people might say. Well, uh, Tony Robbins is your model. And so, no, Tony Robbins is not my model, right? That's not who my Tony, like, like I'm more like of a Darren Hardy model, right? Or Tony Robbins is, let's do a high volume of people uh, and, and go a lot towards the uh, sort of the motivational side. And Darren Hardy, who is much more like, let's do a smaller number of people and let's go more on the strategy and tactics side. Now, they both, they obviously both do motivation. They both obviously do strategy and tactics. But if you look at their business models, Darren Hardy, the way that he, the way that he markets and how expensive, he, what he charges for what he does, he, he's going for a small number at, at, a, at a larger, uh, a larger price point. Tony Robbins is just going for massive numbers. Now, he has programs that are much more expensive, but um, he likes to do kind of more of a, a broad spectrum where, where Darren Hardy is more, is a more niche oriented. So, um, so I look at what he does. I'm like, okay, what does he do? You know, what are his metrics in terms of like, what is he, you know, what are his, his KPI, his key performance indicators for his business? So I can look at that. Now, I don't necessarily want to be Darren Hardy because I have a, even a smaller niche of, of, of what I'm trying to get to my unicorn mission. But, uh, and, but that's a model I can look at. So, so it's not quite right. And you're always searching for models, right? This is part of the research process and this is part of the ex- exploration. So what makes it fun, man? Like you're going to come across someone that you, um, that you've never even heard of before. So I, I just came across this guy, his, his last name is Cunningham, and I've never heard of the guy, never. I mean, in 20 years of going through personal development, he's a business business guy and he's into the numbers. And so uh, I, I was like, this guy's amazing. And so I started going through some of his content and, and I'm using it right now in my training, but, but I'm like, oh, this is exactly what I need. And you get to have these discoveries. And so part of the modeling process is not a copying of someone else. It's just, they've done the work for you already. So why would you have to reinvent the wheel? You don't have time. You don't have time. So what I want you to do is, is basically think about that, that modeling concept. So your action guide is, is take out your gratitude journal, look back at the, the three chapters of your life in terms of career, connections, and creations. Uh, you've picked the baseline now. And now what I want you to do is I want you to go uh, to phase two or phase three thinking, go a couple more levels deep on your metrics that you're going to track, right? Your baseline that you're going to create for it. And then for each of, for one of them, not for all three, I want you to, to do some research and find someone to model in that area. And, and that's going to be your first model, the first sort of person that's on your council, right? And, and you may never meet that person, but they're going to have, and don't pay for content for them. Just find, they're going to have free stuff. Like anyone worth their salt will put free stuff out there for you to consume that will give you an idea. And so find, find a model, like find someone like, okay, like in this area, you know, if it's in connections, you know, you want to have a better thing with your spouse and you're tracking how many dates are going to go on in a month with your spouse. Well, find, you know, maybe it's the five love languages guy whose name I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Like just, just find something that someone that can give you a trackable metric that you can model in there. And that will start an exploration for you. And that's, what's fun because part of clear the field is we don't know, we have a giant field and we don't know all the, the parts of it. We get to explore and find things in it all the time. Uh, but we just set the parameters of where that is. So so that is the action item that I want you to do today. And remember, the two big points are, you know, we want to start engaging in phase thinking, you know, phase one, phase two, phase three, phase three, four, four, it goes, you know, start to go in deep, deeper phases, at least a phase two or phase three. And then we want to start modeling. So when we're looking for the metrics, we can find people who can actually improve our baseline that we're going to track. So that's your action item for today. Have fun exploring. And remember, there is no end if you stay on the path. Well, hello there, team. Wade Skalski here, problem solver, playwright, and founder of Clear the Field. Today's process is this. If you don't have a baseline, you don't have anything. Episode 9C, the restart. Sit back, relax. Here we go. So in today's segment, formerly known as the Daily Nugget, I'm going to relate to you a experience that some of you have never had. 
some of you have had in earnest many times, and some of you know what I'm talking about, even though you've never had it. So back in the day when computers did not have the, what is called the internet or the interweb, the World Wide web, uh, they had these things called disk drives. And in these disk drives, you would have a floppy disk, uh, a three by five or a five and a quarter, or before that you would have a tape drive if you had this, let's say a Commodore 64. But let's, let's go a little bit in the, you know, a little later in the process when you would have a, a floppy drive, like a three and a half or five and a quarter. So if you're doing a word processing document, let's say that you're in college and at the first day of, of, the, of your public policy class in college, they tell you there's going to be a 50 page term paper due at the end of the semester. And so what you do with most, uh, what most college students do is you drop the class. Okay. But let's say that you decide, no, this is time. It's going to be different. I'm not going to drop the class. I'm actually going to stay in the class. And I, this is the one time in college that I'm not going to wait until the last minute. I'm actually going to plan out my semester so that I do a little bit of this term paper at a time. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, handle this like an adult, like, like a, a junior in college should. So uh, you do that plan and then you go forward and you go the rest of your semester and you don't do any of the plan because you're a college student who has no clue what they're doing in no process. And then about five days before this paper is due, you're like, shit, I've got a 50 page paper due and there's no uh, World Wide Web to do uh, research on. So you go to the library and you check out. 20 books uh, on monetary policy because you're going to write a you're going to write a, 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 a you're going to write a paper on the on the British pound and why it's not going to become part of the EU. All right, so or why they should keep the pound or whatever it is, something like that. You don't know you don't know what you're going to do for the paper because you just are you know doing it four days before. So this was before the internet, you know. So you actually had to go to the library and you actually had to use like the card catalog. You had to use the Dewey Decimal System. Uh, and so this is, a, this is a true story uh, up to this point. So anyways, um, now when you're writing the paper on your computer at that time, you don't have automatic save for some reason like this, this either, I didn't know how to engage this or this didn't come on, but you're writing your paper, you're writing your paper, writing your paper, and then you spill coffee on your computer or you turn it off on accident or it just freezes and you have to reboot. And you have been working on this 50 page paper for a real long time and you forgot to save and you lose a bunch of stuff. So that feeling of, I have to redo this paper from the beginning is an experience that I want you to think about because you've all been working on something in the cloud and then it, it didn't update in time and then it, it, it locked and then you didn't, you didn't have a chance. You had to go back and redo the work. And that feeling of going back and redoing the work is one of pain and frustration. You're like, I'm doing this again. But what I want you to do is I want you to start to consider that actually that 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 mentally that's an opportunity to one do the work better, two to learn something in terms of oh I better start auto saving or have some sort of process to where I I save my work so that this never happens again. So that feedback that you're getting from that mistake that that is uh, is there's no losing in that area. There's only learning, and that is a lesson that will save you time going forward for the rest of time. So you become more efficient, right? So when something like that happens, instead of getting mad and muscling through and doing it, one of the things, a little trick, a little mind hack you can do for yourself is you can say, oh, here's an opportunity for me to become more efficient. And the reason is, is that you want to grow your efficiency forward in time. Because the more efficient you are moving forward, the more productive you are, the more results you get, and then the more feedback you have, the more efficient you can become. And it becomes a positive feedback loop so that you're not killing yourself with negative feedback and then you're going off and you're medicating and you're, you're having being less productive and less efficient because you're either in a positive loop or a negative loop. And getting out of a negative loop, trust me, is very, very, very hard. It's very difficult to go from zero to one. Your most difficult client ever to get in any business is your first client, okay? And so what we wanna do is we wanna put ourselves in a total situation to succeed and we wanna make sure that we are always in a positive feedback loop. And one way to do that is to realize when you get feedback, is that that's just an opportunity for you to become more efficient because it's expanding your efficiency into your future self, which is what we're shooting for with Clear the Field. So that's your little that's your little your little nugget for the day in the segment formerly known as the Daily Nugget, something to think about. And let's start with the restart now. So we, we've gone for the reset, we've gone for the reframe, and now we're in the restart. And 
the one thing about it is that we, with our baseline is that, okay, so we've, we've elected a baseline. We have a, we have a situation and I want you to understand about why metrics are so important. Okay. Because if you're tracking something, once you're tracking something, you actually have the ability to analyze. All right. So actually an opportunity for me to become more efficient. I'm recording this in Ajax going in the Ford F-150 and I got a call on my iPhone and I haven't figured out how to turn that off yet. So uh, I'm going to restart the recording. So usually I would restart the whole thing, but I don't have to do that now because I've learned how to add them together. And so I'm more efficient. So I just saved myself, whatever it is, six minutes of time. So when we track metrics and we can become more efficient, then that increases our productivity and, and we become, as we, we, we gain more for our future selves, all right? And that's why you want to get better at having metrics and tracking them. And otherwise what happens is, is you come up with a great plan, okay? You can, you can come up with great goals. You can come up with a great targets and then you can start to take act, tactical actions to, to do that. But if you're not tracking those actions, then you're basically a Bond villain, Right? where like the Bond villain would have Mr. Bond and then he would tell him his master plan and then he would leave and then he would just assume that James Bond would get eliminated and that everything would go according to plan, right? Like you can never assume that everything is going to go according to plan. Your best assumption is that nothing is going to go according to plan and that your plan is simply a starting point. You eliminate as much risk and problems as you possibly can with your plan. You put yourself in the best possible starting point in direction with your plan and then you track your metrics and course correct. And if you do that consistently over time, you will get where you want. But if you just start your plan and then you just take actions every day and you're like, I'm just going to assume everything's going to be fine, then you're not going to get where you want to go and you're going to be confused. Because look, outside of your field of influence, outside of your field, there are things that go bump in the night that you don't know about. There are things that you know, there are things that you don't know, and there are things that you don't know that you don't know. And it's the things that you don't know that you don't know which get you, which get you. okay? That's the things that you have to worry about. But you, but you can't know what they are because you simply haven't had an opportunity to do analysis of what you're doing to even get your brain enough perspective to, to start to think about them. So that's why your metrics are so important because they give you an opportunity to pull some of those things that you don't know that you don't know into your sphere of influence in terms of your mind and your creativity because you'll, you'll, your numbers will tell you things, your metrics will tell you things you're like, okay, this is not working in this area for some reason. Why? And then you can look at your actions and track it back. And then you'll discover something that you didn't know. And you can course correct. And that's the first time that you ever do that with your numbers, you feel amazing. You feel like the smartest person in the world because you're like, whoa, like I figured this out because of my metrics and my analysis. And I, of course, corrected. And now I'm going to become more productive. And it becomes addictive for you. It really does. And and, and it, it, once you start to get really, really good at that, then you have leverage and on yourself and on your process. And once you have leverage on yourself and your process, you're unstoppable. And then you start to do crazy things and people are like, how did you do that? And you're like, you're like, well, it's just a process. And then everyone will go, yeah, 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 I understand. It's just a process. But how did you do that? And then you say back to them, yes, it's just a process. Anytime anyone goes to you, yeah, 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 they're not listening to you. They want, they're, not, they're, they're not connecting with what you're telling them. And they want you to tell them something they already know. Because I used to do that all the time. I'm like, yeah, I understand that. They don't understand what I mean by process or what you mean by process. They think a process is just simply having having steps to a goal and then doing those steps, right? But it's much deeper than that. A process is a way of life. A process is who you are. A process is something that you create to define yourself. And it's not something that you can just go, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's much deeper than that. So, so when you have metrics and you learn to use metrics and you learn to track them from a baseline, then you give yourself incredible power. Tracking metrics and, and having a baseline to start from with those metrics is one of the most leverageable things that you can do for yourself and your life to change your life. It is, it is if, if it is not number one, it is in the top two for sure, okay? So, and, and, and the skill of having creating baselines and tracking metrics, people are like, yeah, it's just a pain in the ass. I don't want to spend the time to do it. I get it. I understand. Like, I don't want to spend the time to do it either most of the time, you know, until until I have a metric that I'm tracking and then it pulls in something in from the chaos and something that I didn't know that I didn't know. And then I feel like the smartest man in the world. OK, so then then I'm like, I have to remind myself of that. I'm like, hey, tracking metrics is fun. But, you know, you're going to have days when they go up and down. But here's what you don't have time for. Right. You don't have time to spend a decade of your life going in the wrong direction in an area that you're not supposed to be in. That's not part of your not part of your three missions because you didn't take the time to track the metrics. 
and you could have fixed it all in three months. In six, instead, what you're doing now is you're is you're is you're just donating a decade of kind of meandering around and kind of kind of learning skills and learning learning things about yourself. You don't want to do that. Even if it's just a year, you don't want to do that, right? You don't have time for that. And that's what what have creating a baseline and tracking metrics for you can solve. So so when you say to yourself, yeah 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 yeah, I don't I don't have the time. I get it. I get it. But you you actually don't have the time to not be tracking those metrics. Okay. So. For the restart, what I want you to start to think about is now, hopefully you've gone in your gratitude journal and you've gone in the three areas of uh, three chapters of your life that we, that we deal with here in Clear the Field, which is your career, your, your, your connections and your creations. Okay. And you've got a baseline that you want to start with all, one of those. And you think, you think, here's the bait and switch. You think I'm going to tell you, pick one of those and start tracking it. No, I'm not going to tell you that. The reason why I'm not going to tell you that is because I, I want to go on an even more basic level for you. And I want to introduce something that I'm going to start talking about next week, which is the morning routine. And what I want you to do is I want you to start tracking what time you get up. That's it. I want you every morning. I want you to start tracking what time you get up every day, right? It takes 66 days to create a new habit, somewhere between 21 and 66 days to create a new habit. I just want you to do it for a week. Okay. Uh, I want you to, because we're not, the, the, the tracking part will be tracking for a long time, but I want you to track every day for a week what time you get up because the time that you get up is, is another leverage point for you. And what I want you to do is to track it. And then I want you to try to get up 15 minutes early. Once you establish a baseline for this is the time that I get up and next week, I want you to try to get up 15 minutes earlier. And that is a metric that is super easy to do. Everybody gets up in the morning at some time. I don't know what your morning process is. You might get up at the same time every morning. You might just wake up whenever you wake up. You might wake up at different times in the morning. Like I used to do with court, like the time that I woke up depended upon which court I was going to. I don't know what you do. I don't really care. What I want you to do in part of this gratitude journal uh, is in your gratitude journal is track what time you get up for the next seven days. And then what I want you to do after that is I want you to try to get up 15 minutes earlier because incremental change is lasting change. If you have the correct metrics and you move the correct metrics just a little bit, it will have huge downstream effects for you. So incremental change is lasting change. And it's easy to track. So that's what I want you to do for your, your gratitude journal, for your action item for this, uh, for this process, for this segment. And remember, there is no end if you stay on the path. Well, hello there, team. Wade Skalski here, problem solver, playwright, and founder of Clear the Field. Today's process is this. If you don't have a baseline, you don't have anything. Sit back, relax. Here we go. So in our beginning segment, formerly known as the Daily Nugget, uh, as we are going to talk about the 90 degree turn at zero miles an hour. So I'm driving along today, getting ready to get on the 405 North, head back to my office, and to uh, after a morning appointment, which was moderately annoying, I'm going to give it like a six on the annoying scale. Uh, and I'm driving and, you know, Ajax is a 5,000 pound Ford F-150. And so it doesn't necessarily stop on a dime. And I'm going behind this Chevy Volt at a moderate speed. I'm not speeding. I'm giving the Chevy Volt plenty of uh, wiggle room. And apparently a Chevy Volt, because it's some kind of electric power car, has magical stopping powers. So the Chevy Volt decides all of a sudden that it wants to take a right turn. It wants to take a right turn now, and the right turn is one inch in front of the Chevy Volt. So he jacks on the brakes, comes to a complete stop very fast, you know, then takes the right at a 90 degree angle into where he's going. And I'm behind him, and you know, I have an appropriate distance. I don't rear end him, but I get pretty close. And it gives me a little bit of a, a little bit of a heart palpitation a little bit of a adrenaline rush, a little bit of a, hello there, sir, how are you doing? And I, I, I was kind of annoyed a little bit, but you know, I can't, I can't begrudge the guy. It's not illegal what he did. And that's my job to have a safe enough distance, which I did behind him. But the point of this is that in your life, a lot of people run their life this way. They're going to, they'll make a snap decision and then they will go in a completely different direction. And all of the momentum of their life behind them crashes into them or almost crashes into them. And if you're in a process, now this may happen sometimes, like, like, look, sometimes you may pull the ripcord. Like sometimes you may be living in the city and you're like, okay, we're just going to pull the ripcord and we're going to move, right? We're just going to burn everything to the ground and we're, we're pulling the ripcord and we're moving. Now, when you, when you do that, 
that's typically in the response. So you think that the move itself is going to change, is going to change your, you know, change your results. And that's why you do the move. It's not a situation where you're like, well, we want to make a move because we want to have our life do this, 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 and this, right? But most people, you know, and then the move becomes incremental where you prepare, you know, mentally you prepare for the move over, a, you know, a long period of time. You prepare any of your job or businesses, the family, the relationships around you. And then it's kind of a more of a smooth turn. It's still an abrupt turn to move, but it's not, it's, it's, there's a, there are lots of brake lights involved for the momentum of your life so that you can kind of do it and, and not risk having your, the momentum of your life slam into you. And if you have working papers and you have a process, then you can just make a nice, you can break way in advance on things. You can make a nice, gentle right turn and you, you make incremental changes because your, your, your compass is pointed in the right direction. You're pointing in the right direction. You're still within the proper universe and sandbox and you're not just pulling the e-brake and then, you know, flipping a right turn at zero miles an hour. So the one thing, one of the advantages of going through a process on purpose, one of the advantages of having working papers where you've established a baseline and you are, you're sort of improving upon your position on things, you're, you're writing the chapters of your life uh, on sort of a narrative versus I'm going to write science fiction, then I'm going to write, uh, you know, classic, classic Shakespearean iambic pentameter verse, you know, you're not, it's not so jarring. And, and that's what we want to go for is when we make moves, we don't want the momentum of our life to have to shift in a totally direction because that's painful. And so we want to make it as smooth as possible and make nice, slight adjustments. Now, sometimes you're going to discover that you're in the wrong sandbox. Sometimes you're going to discover that you're in the wrong universe. And when that happens, yeah, it's the, the change is going to be jarring, but there's still ways to mitigate it so that you're making a hard right and you're not coming to a dead stop and then going to a 90 degree turn. So that's sort of the segment formally known as the daily nugget for you today from my experience with the Chevy Volt, which I feel like I could lift that up by myself. It's not a very large car uh, and I'm a large man. So that's just my thought on the Chevy Volt. So let's get into the review today uh, of nine uh, of process nine, section D, the review. So a few things. You know, I like I like the baseline process a lot. And I had talked about that you're you're trying to scale efficiency. And I think about this, I think about this in the idea that life is always coming at you no matter what you do. But the more efficient you are, you're sort of like a buzz a buzzsaw that cuts through life, right? Like you're a buzzsaw that cuts through all the crap. Things are flying at you, things are flying at you, and they they still hit you, but they split because you're so focused and your process is so good and you're you become so efficient that you just buzzsaw through things. And so we, we don't want to just get big or scale things for the sake of getting big or for the sake of growing. We want to grow efficiency. So that's something that um, I really wanted to touch on. Now, we talked about income as a, you know, we talked about income as a metric for a possible on the career side. Uh, and like, look, like, yeah, it, it's that's our first metric. Right. But it's, it's kind of a very blunt metric for income. But you want to whenever you're talking about numbers, especially if you're in a business, income is almost completely useless. Like your profit your profit is not like how much profit your business made is not your best indicator of how your business is doing. Because if you had to spend, depending upon your risks that you're involved, your exposure, how much money you had to spend in assets to get that profit, there's a lot of different businesses that can make the same profit a lot more efficiently. So, so you want to get deep in on the numbers and eventually too, for if you don't have a business, but you just have a job, you're, you know, your income's important but your job has to be at least in the same universe of what you're trying to do. I'll give you an example. Because I talked a little bit about, hey, if, you're, if you have a job that's going to pay you 120 and you're making 100 and you're waiting around because it's not the perfect job, that you should still take it. Well, yeah, you should still take it if it's in the same universe or if in the same sandbox so that you can then be exposed to opportunities from that job that you can then lateral out of. So I had a really crappy job that I took, a legal job for two years. But because of some of the relationships that were created in that job, then I was able to leverage those relationships and grow kind of to where I am now. And I never practiced that type of law ever again. So this was like, I don't know, like eight or nine years ago. So I never practiced it in type of law ever again. But for those two years, I, I was in a, I was still in the same universe, but I was in a sandbox in that universe I did not like. But I was in the, at least in the area of where I wanted to be so that when I would meet people there, I would be able to leverage those, those relationships, be able to create relationships that would help me down the line. So don't just take a job because it's offering you more money, because if, if it's geographically, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to go to Cleveland, nothing go against Cleveland, but you know, Los Angeles is a little bit better than Cleveland. 
there's an ocean here. And, um, you know, there's, there's a million guys in Cleveland that wish they lived where I live. Nothing against Cleveland. They'd all admit it. I'm sure it's a fine, fine place. But my point is, is that you've got to make sure that when you're going to make moves, that you make moves with your compass the right direction. So that's kind of one thing I wanted to touch upon. What else? What else? Let me see. Uh, that is your target for exploring. Oh, I liked when I say when I little sign off after I give you your task is that is your that is your task. Have fun exploring. That's going to get locked in. So we have I feel like we have all the semantics for the kind of the transitions and for the actual segments themselves. So that's exciting. And other than that, I mean, I feel like. I feel like we're doing good in terms of we're getting a little flow to the, the different episodes. I'm getting, oh, I did like when I referenced, and the last thing I kind of talk about for the review is I did like when I referenced next week's podcast, because whenever I read a book, like a, like a, not necessarily like a, a fiction book, but if I read like a nonfiction book or a training book, I like it when they end a, uh, end a pair, a chapter with a reference to the next chapter. So there's a flow. So I'm going to start doing that. Uh, and I start in referencing each podcast because I have them all planned out. Sometimes I'll call an audible if something is, is lighting a fire under me and I want to tackle it that week. I'll sub something in. And obviously that will make it more difficult to do that. Uh, but I have found that sometimes calling audibles because something's gotten emotionally on fire isn't necessarily always the right thing to do. It's better to kind of let that simmer and, and evaluate those decisions through all moods. Now, and the last thing that we're going to talk about for review is I am considering a big change. I'm not going to do it right away. I don't even know if I'm going to do it, but I'm going to evaluate it through all moods. And that change is I'm thinking about combining the reset and the reframe of the process into one step, which is just the reframe. So it's reframe, restart, review. It's cleaner. It's shorter. It's easier to say. Now, there, and then the reset element just becomes just becomes part of the reframe. So because the reset is, let me introduce you to an idea that is not in alignment with what you think about how things work. Okay. And then once you accept, oh, all right. So maybe how I'm thinking about this topic is there might be something different there. Then we actually go in into reframing your thinking, but that's kind of the same thing. Uh, the reason why I separated them though, is because that, that the reset sometimes takes time. Like it, you may reset someone on a topic and because the topic is kind of one of their sacred cows, it's like really close to their heart that all the time that you spent with the talking about the reset, they don't hear, it just gets them to reset and then you do the reframe. So, but I think, I think the idea we're going to do is as I'm thinking pretty seriously about putting them together. So it would be just the, you know, it'd be the, re, the, the, the reframe, the restart and then the review so that there would only be actually three three podcasts versus the four for the complete. So I gain a day it may, and during my week, it makes it a little bit easier in with regards to spinning stuff in. And then I can always do an extra 15 minute sort of um, standalone rant on something uh, if I wanted to. So I'm toying with that idea and that's kind of part of the review process, but that's effectively, it's effectively where we're at uh, on the, the sort of the total review process. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I can't decide for sure if I'm going to do that or not. Um, so I don't know. So that's what I'm, that's where I'm at. So good one way, good, good, good transition into what you're going to do next. So, <laughs> so the transition to the next thing is that, so I want you to take out your gratitude journal and we, so this is, we have four baselines going right now. We have the sleep baseline, which you're tracking when you get up in the morning you have one baseline that you've selected and done um, multi-phase thinking on for your uh, career, your connections, and your um, creations. And now what I want you to do in your gratitude journal is I want you to pick what your next baseline is going to be. I don't want you to actually come up with the baseline. I just want you to have, I want, to, I want you to give your brain the next phase that your brain is going to engage in without engaging it because that gets your subconscious working on it because there's a flow to this, right? So you're, you're like, all right, so this is the project I'm working on now. Um, I've, I've, I've got that project going, which is I'm doing the sleep tracking for when I get up. Then I have outlined phase two of what I'm doing, which is the next three baselines that you're going to do. And then there's sort of like the uh, beyond that, there's like an amorphous direction where I think we're going to go. Because what will happen then is, is as you start to implement phase two, 
during the during the uh, that phase, you're going to learn things that may send you in a totally different direction for phase three. But if you have a phase three and you're kind of amorphously out there, that gives your subconscious something to work on and it'll start grabbing things as you're working on phase two. So then what's happening is you're reviewing what you've done before. You're working on something right now. You've got a, an idea of, of the next phase pretty pretty strongly delineated out. And then there's kind of an amorphous direction after that. So it gives your brain whatever mood it's in to kind of think about things, something to chew on, but you're always having to chew on something that helps you. Because if you, I've found that if you don't do that, if you leave a little wiggle room out there, that there's some amorphous thing out there where your brain's trying to figure out how to eat as many Oreos as it can in a day, or it's trying to figure out if it would want to get a pit bull versus a Siberian Husky, you know, in terms of six years from now. So I try to give my brain tasks that to review tasks I'm doing before, stuff that I'm doing right now, a clear, a clearly delineated next step, and then a step after that kind of amorphous so that my brain, wherever mood it's in, always has something to work on. And that's very, it sounds like a lot. It's not once you get used to it because it's literally like one sentence. I think you say, my next baseline is going to be, I think going to be this after I complete this next, after I complete phase, you know, the next phase after this one. So, so that's, that's basically bounds the universe for your brain to be chewing on things uh, and then go from there. So that is today's task for you to do. Have fun exploring and remember, there is no end if you stay on the path.